Cigar Thoughts, Game 2. Seahawks come crashing down. The Seattle Seahawks were beat in every phase of the game, losing 27-7 to the San Francisco 49ers and falling to 1-1 on the season. I'm Jackson Bevins, and this is Cigar Thoughts. The Seattle Seahawks came into this game riding high off of one of the most emotionally charged regular season games you can imagine, winning their season opener against their former franchise quarterback in front of the largest Monday night football audience in 15 years. The possibility of a letdown performance was very real. Adding to the challenge was a road game against a very good divisional opponent on a short week. Still, I was optimistic that this team could keep the game close and potentially steal a win through grit, grime, and a little more magic. I was real wrong. The San Francisco 49ers started with the ball and looked fantastic, executing Kyle Shanahan's incisive offense with precision and explosiveness. A series of quick completions and gashing runs were highlighted by Trey Lance, Brandon Ayuk, and rookie running back Tyrion Davis-Price. In less than three minutes, the 49ers had a first and goal, but Seattle's defense continued their red zone dominance, stuffing San Francisco on three consecutive plays, culminated by Cody Barton cutting down Jeff Wilson Jr. on a third down dump off. The Niners would kick a short field goal to take an early 3-0 lead. The Seahawks started their first drive with consecutive handoffs to Rashad Penny, who ran hard for a combined nine yards. Then, on third and short, Seattle put both of their running backs in the backfield and handed it to Ken Walker III for his first NFL carry, and the rookie delivered, sprinting ahead for six yards and a first down. Those three plays would account for 60% of those RB's yards on the day. That was followed up by consecutive short completions to Noah Fant and DK Metcalf, but a third down slant to Metcalf was broken up, and the Hawks punted it back to the home team. The 49ers wasted no time getting right back to business, hammering the Seahawks' front with relentless runs highlighted by a beastly 52-yard Debo Samuel run that showcased every part of why they gave him such a big contract in the offseason. The Niners found themselves in the red zone again and, after a short run by Wilson Jr., Trey Lance kept it on the read option and darted up the middle. Unfortunately for him, and potentially for the 49ers' immediate future, Barton was waiting. Barton, who had a sensational performance last week, thumped Lance to the turf, where he folded awkwardly and stayed down. At first, I thought he had just had the wind knocked out of him, or, at worst, cracked a rib. But then the medical cart and air cast came out, and a somberness settled over the stadium. We'd later learn that the promising young quarterback suffered a broken ankle and is likely out for the season. Now, The 49ers offseason was a mess with regards to their QB position, as they essentially took away Jimmy Garoppolo's playbook and made him stand in a corner all summer while they begged every team in the NFL to trade for him. Unable to pull that off, they begrudgingly reworked his contract and left his handsome shadow hanging over their intended QB of the future. But that organizational malpractice ended up being the 49ers' saving grace, as Garoppolo's presence allowed him to step seamlessly under center. His first play was a third and goal, and he flicked one out to Ayuk in the left flat but Kobe Bryant and Quandre Diggs were there to chop him down and force another field goal. The score was just 6-0 at that point, but it felt like the snowball was picking up speed. Seattle would get one more first down on their next possession before punting again, and the Niners wasted no time getting right back after them, using a pass interference and mid-range completions to Ayuk and Ray-Ray McLeod to get back into scoring range. Shanahan dialed up some misdirection that left backup tight end Ross Dwelly all alone on a crossing route. Dwelly caught the easy pass and sauntered 38 yards into the end zone to make it 13-0. Seattle's answer was to throw an interception into traffic over the middle, 
putting their own defense right back on their heels. They'd hold, getting a fourth down stop when Diggs broke up a prayer in the end zone, and that's when things got weird. On the next drive, Geno Smith pitched it to Walker, who then tossed it back to his QB. Smith set his feet, cocked his shoulders, and heaved it downfield towards a waiting Metcalf. The ball hung up in the air, forcing a jump ball, and DK seized his moment. Skying over the defender, Metcalf snagged the ball with one hand and crashed to the turf with one of the best catches we'll see all season. Unfortunately, right tackle Abe Lucas had drifted a step too far past the line of scrimmage and was flagged for an illegal man downfield. It was such a kick in the nuts after Seattle's first really good play. No matter, Smith would find Tyler Lockett on a couple big completions, putting Seattle inside the 10-yard line and ready to slice the deficit down to size. On the next snap, they lined up four running backs in a weird inverse wing T formation with DJ Dallas taking the snap and handing it to Walker, who broke three tackles en route to an impressive six-yard gain. Seattle went right back to that weird formation again, but instead of handing it off, they decided to let Dallas try to throw a pass. As Dallas ran to the right, he had Metcalf in the back of the end zone, but instead of lofting it to the massive receiver with the 40-inch vert, he tossed it like a toddler using their offhand. The floppy pass went straight into the chest of an unsuspecting defender, snuffing out the opportunity. Seattle's defense would respond with another forced punt, but they couldn't even take advantage of that correctly. With Lockett waiting innocently under the ball, his blocker Xavier Crawford was shoved into him, and the ball bounced off Crawford's arm and was recovered by San Fran. A few plays later, Kyle Juszczyk tunneled into the end zone to extend things to 20-0 before the half. That made it four consecutive scoreless quarters for the Seahawks offense, and the reality many were expecting for this team began to set in. The Seahawks received the kick to start the third quarter and continued their whoopee cushion offense, going backwards on their first play and coming up short of the sticks on a third down out route to lock it. Michael Dixon booted it away for what seemed like the 37th consecutive drive, and the Niners just kept rolling. Jeff Wilson Jr., Samuel, and Ayuk continued to press their feet onto the throats of the Seattle defense, moving the ball all the way down to the Seahawks too with a series of chunk plays. That's when things finally started to break Seattle's way. On a third and goal, the Niners center hiked the ball up his own rectum, killing the play and forcing the Niners to settle for yet another short field goal. It seemed inevitable that the score would be 23-0, but Tariq Woolen came firing off the left edge the moment the long snapper twitched, spreading his massive wings and snuffing out the kick. The ball bounced into the waiting hands of Michael Jackson, who continues to find himself in the right spot. Jackson scooped it up and moonwalked 90 yards the other way to make it 20-7. The dramatic turnaround breathed some fire into the Seattle defense, and they stopped San Francisco twice on the next drive. The first one was overturned by illegal contact against Bryant, but the Hawks kept the pressure on and forced a punt anyway. Still, all that nonsense used up the entire third quarter, and the Seahawks ensuing three and out extended Seattle's offensive scoreless drought to five quarters. The fourth quarter was just more of the same, with the Niners controlling the clock nearly the entirety of the period. The only scoring came at the end of a seven-minute drive when Garoppolo dove in from a yard out before basking in the joy and adulation of his teammates. When the clock finally hit triple zero, the Seahawks were dragging their muddy asses off the field with a 20-point loss, having held the ball for just 21 minutes with 216 yards and no offensive points to show for it. Smoke Rings Sometimes, completion percentage is overrated. Geno Smith converted on 24 of his 30 passes, but had just 197 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception to show for it. Make no mistake, the Seahawks were outclassed at every position besides maybe wide receiver in this one, but it would have been nice to see even a modicum of sustained production. Well, okay, 
They had a modicum. They had the one long drive that ended in the Dallas interception, but still. For as good as Geno can be for stretches, it was beyond obvious that this team had no chance of overcoming a two-score deficit. They enter their next game on a 90-minute offensive scoreless streak. Games like this make it tough to judge running backs because they spent the whole contest in a negative game script and their offensive line was getting blown off their stances throughout. Rashad Penny got the start but only six carries, notching 15 yards while Ken Walker got four for 10. Not much else to say about that. DK Metcalf dominated targets last week, but today belonged to Tyler Lockett. Smith looked Lockett's way on 11 of his 30 attempts, and the little guy snagged nine of them for 107 yards. Metcalf, for his part, caught four of six for 35, though it's worth mentioning that his acrobatic 52-yard grab was nullified by some bullshit. Could have been a very different story for him. Still, that's two games and 71 yards for DK this season. Whew. The offensive line was dead the moment they showed up today. Not because they weren't prepared or didn't try hard, but because Nick Bosa and the rest of the 49ers front was completely unblockable. They just had no shot in this one, and that kind of is what it is. They allowed two sacks among seven tackles for a loss, and let Smith get hit nine times. They also provided just 36 rushing yards on 14 carries. Tip your hat and keep it moving. Lots to learn from this week's film sessions. 27 points and 373 yards allowed doesn't sound excellent, but given that they spent the whole game on the field, I thought the defense did okay. Kyle Shanahan's offense is a nightmare to defend when they're clicking, as the constant misdirection, combo blocks, and fleet of impossible-to-tackle skill guys just wear you down over time. Still, there were some standouts this afternoon. Al Woods was tremendous up the middle, clogging up the run game with seven tackles, including an incredible three for a loss. He even batted down a pass. It was a dominant performance that got hung out to dry. Behind him, Jordan Brooks led the charge the way he always does. Brooks logged 11 tackles and doing his darndest as he flew sideline to sideline, trying to keep the explosive San Francisco offense in check. Cody Barton is the real deal. I mentioned last week how he was the guy I was most worried about, but he is playing with a combination of discipline and ferocity that fits perfectly in any defense, but especially this one. He had 11 tackles to match Brooks. Kobe Bryant was targeted regularly throughout the game and held up pretty well. He gave up a few receptions, as anyone would, though he did get called for a drive-extending penalty for the second straight week. Still, he played mostly tight coverage and was a very willing tackler. He also talked loads of shit, which I love. Tariq Woolen is a dog. If you've been listening to the podcast, you've heard the hushed tones with which members of the Seahawks beat have discussed Woolen's potential, and through two games, he's lived up to it. He split more time with Sidney Jones than last week, but he continues to look the part of an NFL corner. He also blocked the field goal with as clean a special teams rush as you'll ever see. Michael Jackson continues to be in opportune positions, recovering two fumbles in the end zone last week and getting the scoop and score on the block kick this afternoon. He also had six tackles. Last week, the play calling looked crisp and deliberate. Today, it looked desperate. A bunch of trick plays that didn't work for a number of reasons and which basically signaled that they had no chance running their normal stuff. I'm not indicting Shane Waldron overall, and he gets a general pass from me on this game, and honestly, this season, provided we see some extended stretches of goodness. But when you're overmatched everywhere, it's tough to dial up an effective script. Penalties, man. A huge reason Seattle won last week was because they played disciplined football for the entire game. Today, it was just the opposite. 10 penalties for 106 yards while the 49ers committed just one. This game sucked, and I think we all knew there would be a handful of these this year. For me, 
This season is much more about evaluation than it is about living and dying with each individual outcome. While I hope I'm wrong, nothing about this team is fooling me into thinking they're ready to compete with the elite teams in the league yet. So I want to see which players and which aspects are sustainable. I want to know who and what is going to be here when the team is competing for a championship again. Think 2011. In the meantime, let's see what we've got and hope it's a lot better than what we saw today. Onward and upward, friends. The sorry viewing experience was salvaged somewhat by the beefy and tasty Carrillo Toro from the Tobacconists Association of America. I'd never smoked anything from TAA before, but it made a hell of a debut. Smoking long and smooth with a flavor profile that morphed throughout the stick. A very cool smoke. This is the fourth year of our incredible partnership with Seattle Cigar Concierge. They have the plug on some of the most insane stogies on the market, and they're offering them to Cigar Thoughts readers for 20% off. These are extremely special sticks, and among the most enjoyable I've ever smoked. To get the hookup, just email seattlecigarconcierge at gmail.com. They are carrying over 70 cigar brands with many rare releases including Davidoff, Opus X, and Padron. You can also hit them up on Twitter at at Seattle Cigars. Just be sure to mention that you're a Cigar Thoughts reader. Many of you have taken advantage of this incredible opportunity, and for those who have always wondered what elite cigars are like, this is the best chance you'll get to step into that world. 